Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. My name is Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics. Today, we're going to talk about mobile device management. It's a it's a pretty heavy lift if you're if you're part of that group that is responsible for keeping mobile devices secure. You're going to know what I mean. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a pretty interesting topic. Security teams recognize that the risks posed by laptops, tablets, smartphones, and other mobile devices, especially because of our increasingly remote working environment and the ongoing challenges posed by the use of personal devices for work. Today, I'm happy to be able to talk to Mike McNeil about the state of mobile device management and understand solutions out there that can be used to secure those devices. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Give us a little intro. Um, I don't have a bio for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My LinkedIn uh, is not purposely cagey, but uh, it's, a, it's a little vague in the description. I liked it. It was very man of mystery. But you are um, the founder and uh, CEO of Fleet DM. I am, and and Fleet DM is a mobile device uh, management solution. So I, before we even talked about that, and and uh, of course there are a lot of solutions out there. So I don't want people to feel like, hey, we're only talking about your solution. We're going to try and keep it high level and keep it focused on how do people keep mobile devices secure. Um, but but I really like the the solution solution that you do have, and um, I I was really excited to to get to talk to you specifically about it because if anybody's in the development sphere, you probably have heard of Mike. He's um, the sales guy, uh, sales.js with an AI, not an ALE, right? So there um, there are a lot of uh, YouTube videos out there that that Mike is in, and I think that you're gonna like to hear from him. So uh, before we talk about how to keep them secure, a lot of people are probably wondering, what are mobile devices? What falls under that category? Yeah, and so MDM or mobile device management is one of these terms that kind of has evolved a little bit over the years. And, and people have gotten this idea of, of it as really like three main things. Um, patching software on usually laptop computers and then uh, to some degree on, on phones, although there's less, there's less power there. Um, the ability to lock down OS config on laptop computers um, and the ability to uh, get laptops drop shipped pre-enrolled for those other capabilities uh, with a program like DEP for Macs or Autopilot for Windows. Right. And and so people might be saying, well, how is this any different from workstation security? Like, why is there a whole separate category for mobile device management? Yeah. So like looking back at the, the history of, of where that word came from, you know, it's part of it was phones and like I remember, I remember hearing the buzzword like enterprise mobility back. I think I worked on my first MDM project was like 2013. I was working with this uh, telecommunications company and we were actually just building sales demos of like iPad apps to like show like, ah, so this is this is how you can control your Wi-Fi router from uh, from, I don't know, another country. And, and you can like help your kids uh, turn off and on their Wi-Fi on their on their cell phones. So I think the, the vision was originally like, look, Laptops and devices are just generally becoming more pick it up and take it with you. Yeah. And you can't really rely on like the network as much uh, anymore. Um, 
Now that said, like MDM these days, and, and what I'll mainly focus on because where my expertise is, uh, is, is in really so I'm learning, right? Uh, but it's around the laptop use case. And Fleet, just to, to make, uh, to make this clear, didn't start as a device, uh, you know, it's always been a device management company, but, uh, it really wasn't, didn't start as a project focused on, on laptops at all. It was really focused on, on servers um, and just any kind of computing device. So, so one big difference between, uh, you know, a traditional MDM and maybe a, a tool like Fleet is that Fleet is really like a, a read-only visibility tool that is part of your device management strategy. So you would still use Fleet with like an MDM like Jam for Kanji. Mm -hmm. um, but at, le at least today, um, but Fleet's going to give you like visibility about like what software do I have installed on these computers? Um, can I like collect telemetry from these computers and send it to my SIM um, for, for, or my data platform like Snowflake? Um, and then Fleet's also going to give you visibility into vulnerabilities. Like, is there, uh, is there anything in NVD about this piece of software? Um, is there an ex a known exploited vulnerability on this piece of software? Um, that kind of thing. And so from my perspective, what I saw, especially in the last two years, was everybody started working from home <laughs> because uh, people weren't even going into the office, right? So it used to be um, not even that long ago that a lot of organizations didn't allow people to take work mobile devices, laptops, phones, you know, whatever that, whatever competing device they, they were, had to use, they didn't even let them take them out of the network. For I think the reason that you're talking about, people relied on network security for these devices. And then they're like, well, don't take it off the network because then we lose all this security, right? Everybody kind of had to shift over the last couple of years and figure out how do we keep that secure. And it's been, it's been a, a much heavier lift for some groups than others. Like it's, it's been, there are groups that were already ready. They already had remote work um, policies and procedures in place. They already had tools in place to let them know what was patched, what was not patched. And But there are a lot that still don't or that have struggled to get the insight that they needed. And so when your survey came came uh, across my desk, I thought, this is, this is really interesting. Um, it seems like you're seeing a lot of devices that are that are mobile devices that are that are used outside of the network like increasingly is that what you what the the survey showed what you're seeing on your end yeah and, and we're, we mostly focused on on you know on the, on the laptop use case again just because that that's the part that works best with with os query which is kind of the world that i live in mostly um these days and but just speaking for speaking for workstations right for laptops um if you have a remote workforce, which pretty much everybody has some portion of the workforce remote, yeah. like you're either relying on the VPN for everything and you're probably having a, a harder and harder time of it. Mm -hmm. um, or you're, you're enabling some kind of, dare I say it, zero trust approach where you're really <laughs> trying, you know. <laughs> Hopefully. And, and that's one of the recommendations that you actually give. And we'll get into that in, in a little bit. Um, but so you, what, how are you seeing, as you're talking to organizations, how do you think people are doing with their efforts to secure these laptops? What's the, what's the general sense out there of how secure the insight, where people are at compared to where they should be with, in terms of that security? Yeah, so, so you know, it's, it starts off with, with this, if we rewind and, and we just imagine ourselves in the past where like everything's under network security and, 
at least in theory, right? Yeah. It starts off with that, that one team. They set up like, uh, you know, maybe the, the marketing team wanted to get security to get them, get them access to a new product, but they ended up just kind of like rolling it out. Uh, and it's just some shadow IT, like who knows what. Yeah. So everybody's little, you know, moles started popping up all across the organization. That's not um, an unusual story either. Like, this is not like a one. I hear that about that all the time. Somebody wanted to do something that somebody wouldn't let them do. So they set it up themselves. Yeah, which, I mean, it's the spirit of, uh, the spirit of, uh, it's a hacker spirit, right? Yeah. Like we, we, we find, we find things that need to get done and we get it done. Whether, you know, whether that's the, the sales gal or, or, uh, or the gal working in, you know, the software engineering department. Um, so, you know, we start off with those kind of little shadow IT things. Actually, I heard a, a story, a friend of mine, uh, worked at a large, very large company and, uh, they had a problem where there was all these, uh, cloud accounts with a, with a cloud provider getting set up. And I think it was like a two year process that they were still working through, uh, in their procurement department to like round up these, these different cloud accounts. Um, and, and with no end in sight, right? Like, you know, if, if your only choices are negotiate and, and also coordinate an enterprise wide agreement, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that slows things down. Um, and it, and it's in a certain point, if you have people that are empowered and you let people kind of spend company money, like it's their own money, at mm-hmm. least on a departmental level, eventually they'll just solve the problem themselves. So, so for, from a, from a kind of a centralized point of view, enrollment is a problem. How do you get everyone? So you're seeing really slow enrollment where people are doing it. Um, once once these devices are enrolled, what kind of effectiveness are they in in terms of of getting the information to the teams that that they need to see out of all these devices? Mm. So in terms of enrollment, uh, it can be a challenge, right? So just the you know, especially software engineers, we uh, we don't like the idea that like there's some opaque code running on our machine monitoring who knows what about our laptops mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of other people in other roles would probably feel the same way if they were thinking about it as much as, as engineers you know have been trained to think about that um and so you get you get resistance right and people being like well, why do we have to do this i don't understand and right you hopefully have a good process in place and you communicate it's compliance it's it's you know security posture it's uh consistency, making sure that we actually know where the laptops are. So we're not just like losing them all the time or or trying to like send two copies of the same laptop to somebody. Um, But that's, that's all really intangible. And especially in these huge organizations, it can be um, even in a thousand person organization, that's still a lot of folks and a lot of feedback to kind of manage. Yeah. Um, So so we, there's actually a really cool project uh, from, I think, Shopify. And they, they did, a, this is back when Jamf was called Casper. And they, they built this, uh, this Rails app, right? They would just sit there and it would actually give every employee of Shopify the ability to see what is being monitored about me and like what are all the queries that have been running on my computer. Oh, Interesting. And I forget the exact number, but they cranked enrollment significantly. I think they went from like 50% enrollment to something like 80%. Just because people understood what was being seen and, and the the visibility rather than than a big old, hey, you have to do this and, I, and I'm not telling you why or what we're taking. Right, right. <laughs> so so that, that's, uh, 
that's really interesting. So um, I, I mentioned the survey, but I didn't tell people. You can find it on your website. It's on uh, uh, fleetdm.com. And when I went to go find it, it's just a link at the top of the page and you just click on it and you can see it's it's a really comprehensive survey for people who want to kind of dig more into it and see what's actually going on. And there's a ton of, of useful information, interesting information. But the part that I thought was the coolest was you have to just keep scrolling and scrolling because at the very end, you give recommendations. And these recommendations I thought were actually the gold of, of this. I don't even know how Closely, they're related to the survey. I don't care. I thought they were really good recommendations on on managing um, on MDM, um, you know, topics. And and like you said earlier, zero trust. We had uh, last season. We had uh, Jeffrey Sanders come on. He's from CERT at Carnegie Mellon, and he talked about the basics of of zero trust, the zero trust principles. But from a high level, how does zero trust, like you said? You know, we're not on the network anymore. So how does that relate and how does zero trust apply to MDM? Hmm. So so when it comes to you know zero trust, a lot when people hear that word these days in a conversation, I think usually they're thinking of how can we take like the basics that we've already nailed down, right? Like we have some kind of SSO, um, we have some so to prevent password issues, we have some kind of like 2FA probably, at least on most of our apps, to, to and ideally it's like a YubiKey. We're not usually there yet, but uh, there's some kind of 2FA there, right? So assuming the basics are done, I think people are really more interested in like device attestation or this beyond corp idea from Google, um, where it's not just who you are or in that you have the credentials to be able to access the to the whatever you're trying to access, but that you we also know like what machine you're on, like what actual device you're on. Um, and that is being used to authenticate you as well. Right. So not only are you authorized to access information, you're authorized to as- access it from a specific device, right? Exactly. And and that's a piece that, that some organizations are starting to really take in stride. And other organizations are kind of probably just hearing about it. You know, as you're listening, if you're like, I've never heard of this, this is new to me, that's totally okay. So it was basically the things that we're talking about are, can can you log into something? And if you can log into something, is there another t- second factor, uh, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication that's required in order for you to do this? And then also, can you identify the device and is it allowed to connect? So, so there's a lot of um, ways that you can kind of confirm that your device is allowed to connect to sensitive information. And that's really what it comes down to because you don't want just anybody anywhere getting to information. And if all you have to protect that information is just a username and password, you're just not protecting that information. Right. Totally. And it's like, it's like where, you know, where you are, that part, we, we let that constant turn into a variable, right? Like you can be in Starbucks now, you can yeah. maybe be in China now, depending on what you're trying to access. And that, that ends, so it does kind of play a role sometimes, yeah. right? If it's uh, uh, depending, depending on the security restrictions or the compliance restrictions. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's also like, Hey, is this a recognized device? But does this recognized device have any vulnerable Chrome extensions? Um, do it, does it meet our security posture? Um, does it, you know, does it have an unencrypted hard disk even? Um, I mean, like that's unlikely, you know, it's unlikely that you would use that particular mix, but depending on what you're trying to access, it might even vary on a per, per app basis, what you want to check. Right. And and it might, 
it definitely varies on a, a per role basis. You know, what is a person supposed to be doing and how are they supposed to be doing it? Being able to centrally manage that, like you said, and sometimes it's a, a security issue, but sometimes it really is a compliance issue. You have to be able to, to prove that you're keeping an eye on all the things that you're keeping an eye on when a, a person has access to, to information. So the next one that I thought was, was uh, you made some pretty strong statements about Linux. <laughs> like if they're using Linux, tell me about that. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of visibility on Linux, uh, OS Query is actually really good. So the, the good news is there's like a free open source uh, utility out there that's, that's been around since, what, 2015, gotten really stable. Um, and if you have your instrumentation set up to be able to use that data, um, which you can with Fleet, by the way, um, then, then you're in great shape on the visibility side. Um, not a super common uh, solution. We know like organizations like Comcast, Erin uh, Palmer there has a great video where she talks about kind of what uh, what challenges they've had with Linux visibility and how they ended up solving it um, with OS Query. But in terms of management on Linux, like being able to uh, install software, there's not just like, you don't just go buy Jamf and like plug that in. Um, Linux is kind of, kind of the wild west when it comes to actual workstations. Right. But there's always that, like, you know, one, two percent of folks that really want to use Linux. Um, and a lot of organizations really want to let them. It's just sometimes they can't because there's not as much power there um, in terms of patching and management. Right. Because really what it comes down to is if you can't manage a system, if you can't patch, if you don't know its current state and 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 ensure that it's actually running against what you want it to run against, um, then then really it shouldn't be part of the mix. Right. So. Um, All right. The next one, a recommendation you made was regarding containers. So first of all, how are containers related device management? Um, Because we were talking about laptops, but now we're talking about containers. Um, Help me help me cross that divide. Yeah, so that's one that, you know, we have a unique perspective at Fleet because we started it, you know, as an open source project for community. It's been around since like 2017 or so. Um, and there are folks uh, using Fleet for workstations, and there's also folks using Fleet for servers. Um, and if you're using Fleet for servers, like maybe you have a bunch of AWS instances, uh, but you might also just have a bunch of like containers floating around, and they might be super ephemeral, right? They may only last for like an hour. Right. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of practitioners really have, have gotten used to relying on the idea that look, it's ephemeral. I'm going to trust that it hasn't been modified, and that there's no way that it could have been modified from the time it went from image to like reified real world mm-hmm. uh, living container. Um, and there's starting to be, I think, some organizations that are like, that sounds good, but should we check? Yeah, <laughs> um, just to be sure. <laughs> um, so the cool thing about you know. Uh, you know, containers is they have a little OS on there. So anywhere you can run Linux, you can run OS query. So we've seen folks actually enrolling containers as well, just to get the visibility on like the runtime state um, and to make sure that nothing has changed or, and also that like the image that they expected to deploy actually deployed. So really we're talking about a compute environment, whether it's a laptop, whether it's a container, whether it's a server, a compute environment is something that Fleet wants to take a look at and make sure that it's running in the way that you want it to be running. Exactly. 
This episode is brought to you by Security Metrics Shopping Cart Monitor Inspect. It's a revolutionary new product that can help you detect any problems with your shopping cart security, allowing you to effectively improve your e-commerce security. Here's what I know about it. A lot of times people say, well, hey, I am PCI compliant because I passed my SAQA. Great. You're missing most of the things that people are actually stealing information from right now. Shopping cart monitor was created to actually close those gaps and help you against things like MageCart and other known e-commerce issues. To learn more about this shopping cart monitor, head to our website, securitymetrics.com. Windows. So um, most of the time when I go look at uh, different environments, if they have Windows, um, they're using group policy. So we, we pull up GPO and, and review GPO. And, and you don't necessarily recommend um, group policy as maybe the primary way to manage Windows systems. What, what's your viewpoint on that? So I was, actually, I was talking to someone the other day that uh, had come out of the oil and gas world, and he was talking about GPOs. And like, I mean, part of it is just the connection with traditional network tech. If you're using GPOs, there's a good chance that you're also using other network uh, level solutions. Yeah. And you're liable to, to kind of trip over yourself there as you move to like remote work and, and zero trust. Um, we're seeing a lot of folks get to that point where they're like, okay, maybe it's time. You know, uh, we've seen startups, like later stage startups that are like, you know, all of our Macs are uh, in an MDM, um, but our Windows devices are still sort of like in big fix and using GPOs. Um, and it's kind of like the last thing to go. Right. Um, Microsoft's done a great job with, with Intune. Um, their MDM and, and Defender have heard great things about as well. Yeah. Um, so there really are, there's options out there uh, to make the switch. The trouble with that is once you end up with two different MDMs, one for Mac and one for Windows and a different ad hoc solution for Linux, now you got a security team trying to pull data from like three different systems mm -hmm. just to get baseline visibility into, into your fleet of workstations. Um, it feels like you almost have to add headcount in order to manage these different environments with different views into the environment. And, and so just in the real world, that's one of the things that, that I, challenges that I'm seeing people run into. Um, but also the, the entire, so I'm not saying Windows is a bad product. I actually really like Windows. Um, but I, I also see the old kind of philosophy on how you set up and use a Windows environment with the on-prem, the, the GPO, the network-based, all, all of those things that, that rely on maybe 90s thinking are, are less and less supportive of how we work today. And so maybe looking at how you pull Windows into a more zero trust, basically, um, uh, based approach, which I think Fleet really supports um, it could be more useful to organizations that are trying to streamline or or get a single, what's the, the word, the single pane of glass into how things are running in their environment. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, totally. It's, you know, it, there's very few organizations that have successfully gone full Mac, you know, for every single thing. At the end of the day, you end up at least with one Windows test laptop for like some use case that one of your engineers is working on. Right. Um, and even if you're a full Windows environment, it's even more likely that you've probably had some, I'll, I'll pick on engineers again, that wanted Macs or, <laughs> or that wanted a, a Linux uh, Linux laptop. 
So with that kind of world, there are there are device management solutions that are cross-platform out there. Um, you know, VMware has one, uh, Fleet has one, um, and I think they're going to become more and more common. Um, a solution, Jump Cloud is another example of which you can use. Um, and with Fleet, we're just we're focused on solving that problem as cleanly and simply and in a developer-friendly way as possible, um, and keeping it 100% open source. So I, and I want to talk a little bit more about open source in a minute, um, but I, first I want to touch on APIs. Uh, a lot of organizations, especially if they're not engineer heavy, um, struggle with how the APIs fit into the, the larger scheme of, of security and management. Yeah, so it's it's weird. It's, we're at this spot where there's kind of this changing... Um, we have a customer, right, uh, at, a, at a Fortune 1000 networking company. And uh, the team, you know, they, they lost a couple of people from their team and they brought on some new security engineers. Um, and one of their new security engineers is basically just out of college, uh, a computer science graduate, someone who would have been a normal software engineer, right, just working on, on apps in the past, and now getting slotted right into security. Uh, college is teaching more security uh, content right in the curriculum and and these folks are coming in with a lot more coding skills than uh, and they're a lot more like kind of developers mm -hmm. than security people you know stereotypically were in the past so suddenly you've got you got people that uh, uh they got a lot of energy they've got a lot of coding skills and they're starting to look around at these kind of stuffy old vendor apps out there and they're kind of wondering like maybe we just like build it ourselves or like hook on top of something open source. And then if we need to, if we need to like get more data, we'll just pull it from the API. Um, and if we, if we want to like set up some alerts, like maybe we'll just like set up some webhooks um, or maybe we'll use a little bit of like low code or no code, um, something like times to be able to trigger whenever, uh, you know, a relevant event happens and then run some custom logic. You know, we just had Thomas Kinsella from Tynes on, uh, on a recent episode, so um, very cool that you would you would mention that. Um, open source is something that maybe a lot of of my listeners are are not as familiar with. Can you give me a rundown on basically what is open source and why is it cool? Yeah, so so there was I think I forget the year, like the seventies maybe. Uh, probably I'm probably going too far back in the past. There was this guy uh, Stallman, right, who is he was in a computer lab and, and he had uh, these kind of crappy printers and he would just sort of like keep banging on the printer and it wouldn't work. And he was like a real technical guy, like, and you know, big fluffy neck beard. Right. <laughs> and he, and he's a, uh, he's like, he's like, how can I fix these printers? Um, and he looks and he sees that the software is closed source and he can't get the software. So he's like, tell you what, like, how about I just like, build everything uh, that anybody ever wanted as open source and just like release it for free. Because um, he, he was so license. mad at these printers. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of things, right? Like you get mad at something and it turns into creative energy. Yes. So he, uh, anyways, long story short, uh, there's actually, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the link. Uh, there's a video by the, one of the guys behind Bootstrap. Uh, his screen name is Fat. Uh, Twitter Bootstrap. Um, the you know the HTML CSS kind of styling layout yeah, framework. Yeah, for sure. 
and he's called like, what is open source and why am I so guilty? And uh, I just kind of paraphrased his talk just now. He does a way better job of like going through and he like has these hand-drawn pictures of Richard Stallman that look really awesome. Um, we'll, we'll put the link in our in the show notes for sure. <laughs> awesome. But, you know, the long, long story short, the, uh, the open source movement kind of started as like a, hey, like the engineers like know how to do things. Like, let's just like give people the code so we can just do them and fix them. Um, and then really started catching on over time, like not necessarily the GPL so much um, because it has some problems if you're trying to commercialize software. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a viral license. If you include a GPL based uh, dependency, it can force your overarching product to also need to be open source, which not everybody is okay with. Okay. Um, but the, you know, uh, free beer and free speech license, uh, open source. So like the MIT license, the Apache license, the BSD license have caught on like wildfire in the realm of, uh, of software engineering as a whole, because you've got all these people who are like kind of very similar to the, the scenario I described before with a security engineer. Um, just in the past, it's like, Hey, I need to build a website and here I am building a form, right, with validations and little error messages for the 20th time, um, why don't I just, like, copy and paste from some other code that already exists? Mm -hmm. and, and if you have the entire world doing that, eventually people realize, hey, let's just, like, put the code on GitHub and we can all copy and paste together. That's very cool. Well, uh, it's been really fun talking to you about this today. Um, any, before we, we break, any additional device management kind of wisdom you want to toss at us today or something anything about fleet or or plans that you have in the future what do, what what how do you want to close with this yeah so i mean fleet today and, and os query is, is a great solution if you if you need data from your devices um, and you want to collect that data be able to see what you've got and what you need to do um in the you know in the future we're we're really interested in in building continuing to build out device management more in fleet um, and and give more functionality beyond just visibility. Um, so if you're interested in working on that or or uh, if you have this real problem in, in your life and your job um, or if you just find it fun, we welcome you as a contributor. Um, there's a spot you can jump to on our website to join the Slack channel. Um, and we also have a uh, GitHub, of course, that you can pop in and just see all the code, everything from our handbook and how we do security internally to the docs to even the paid features are all source available and in that uh, single repo. That sounds really interesting. I'm sure that there are uh, people who would love to be part of that. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us. And thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, take care. Thank you for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed it today just as much as I did. Make sure you check out the, the meeting notes and if you haven't seen all of our episodes, there's some great ones out there, and I would encourage you to go back. Uh, we mentioned Thomas Kinsella today. We mentioned Jeffrey Sanders. There are a lot of really fun episodes out there that I think you'll enjoy. Take care. Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics Podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.